Det här är ett poddradioprogram från Studentradion 98,9. Alla våra program hittar du på studentradion.com eller i vår mobilapplikation Studentradion 98,9. Av upphovsrättsliga skäl är musiken förkortad. Utrikespolitik. Det är inga pajaskonster. Det är inte to this episode of Radio UF. Uh, my name is uh, Amanda and uh, today in the studio I have with me Melker. And we'll also have um, a guest or our US correspondent uh, via Skype uh, with us later today. Um, and um, by that you maybe got a hint that this um, this week's episode will be about the Uh, U.S. Um, and the U.S. Uh, election that will take place in just a couple of days um, in the middle of a global pandemic as well. And, well, some natural questions raised then is will people still be able to vote and how does the U.S. voting system actually work for us <laughs> uh, for us in Sweden that might not know uh, know it that well and what is the situation on the ground um, uh, more specifically in Massachusetts where Chris our correspondent is um, and so these are some of the questions that we will try to answer during the episode today and um, uh, Melker what are, more specifically are you going to talk about? Yeah I'm going to be talking about the um, structure of the US electoral system which is kind of complicated but I think I'll manage to go through it in four minutes <laughs> and uh, of course we can't forget we're of course going to talk about who do we think is going to win and why do we think that will be the case and I think it's going to be a good episode. Yes exactly and I'm going to talk a bit more about voter ID laws and how they affect people's uh, ability to vote in this election and um, uh, later on we'll have even more discussions around you know how democratic is even the U.S. election with the system we have today. You were listening to Moustache of Boy Pablo at Studentradio 98,9. Welcome back to Radio UF, where, uh, where, today, where today we're discussing the U.S. election and uh, the U.S. electoral system. So Melker, uh, would you like to tell us a bit more about how their system actually works? Yeah, I'd love to. 
Uh, to know what is important in the election and why we are all talking about Pennsylvania, we first need to go through the American political system. We often divide the American government into three branches. The judicial branch, consisting of the Supreme Court, the uh, legislative branch, consisting of both chambers of Congress, and the executive branch, headed by the president. The president is elected every fourth year via the 538 electors in the Electoral College. Each state gets a set number of electors based on their state's number of lawmakers in Congress. So California has 55 electors, Texas 38, etc. To be elected president, you need a vote of 270 electors or more. And this is a winner-takes-all system. So the party with a majority of a state's votes gets all of the elector votes from the state. The Electoral College was created to elect representatives during the late 1700s, so a system that seems fair back then might not work today. To begin with, it creates scenarios such as in 2016, where Hillary Clinton lost the election, despite having 3 million more votes, and then it's just unfair at a fundamental level, according to me. The nature of the electoral system makes it so that if you are a Republican in a blue state like California, your presidential vote will not count unless the Republicans would win the state, which is highly unlikely. And the opposite is of course true for a Democrat in a very red state. And uh, these are arguments that... um, There are arguments that the electoral system guarantees representation for the smaller states, but they are still only given one or two electors out of 538, so the smaller states are still underrepresented, and I still think the system is unjust. Now, the president and vice president is very important, but to get things done, you need to control Congress as well. In the United States, the legislative branch... um, is, or Congress, as it's more commonly known, is divided into the Senate and the House of Representatives. Americans can vote for their preferred presidential candidate candidate once every fourth year, so 2016, 20, 24, and they vote for their preferred representatives in the House of Representatives once every second year, 2020, 2022, 2024. It sounds easy, right? Well, we are just getting started. Congress as a whole is made up of 435 representatives in the House of Representatives and 100 senators in the Senate. This means that there are 535 congressmen in total. Whilst representatives have a mandate of two years and are elected every election, the senators have a mandate of six years. This means that uh, the senators are split into uh, groups of 33, which get re-elected every second year. And let's call these three groups A, B, and C. Uh, Senate Group A is up for election in 2020. Uh, Group uh, B are elected 2022. And Group C during the um, election 2024. And A again in 2026. To sum up, every election is very important. Americans decide every second year to fill 468 seats. And uh, worth noting is that every state gets two senators, which is very important. And it gives the smaller states much more power. For example, uh, Texas has the same amount of representatives in the Senate as Maine, despite Texas representing more people. And this can also call to question if this is democratic or not. And all of these states uh, and all of these branches plus the Supreme Court are necessary to pass laws in America. And if one of these branches belongs to another party, it will get difficult. The winner-takes-all system uh, present in many states makes it so that even 0.1% of voters can mean a win or a loss. 
of the entire state, of course. And this can incentivize the parties in control of the states to take to highly immoral and sometimes even illegal voter suppression to get that edge over their opponents to get that close win. So stick around and uh, you are going to hear more about that. Welcome back to Radio UF. You're, uh, we're just listening to um, Volley by Varas at Studentradio 98.9. And we're talking about uh, the US, the US voters and the upcoming US election today. Um, and one of the things that have been um, very much discussed, both for this and previous elections, um, are the voter ID laws that are Uh, implemented in the different states in the US um, and they really differ but between the states but um, as many as 36 states have implemented some sort of ID laws in um, their state when you're going to cast uh, your vote and um, one of the main arguments for these kind of laws is that um, You're supposed to be verified um, when you're voting uh, in order to prevent voter fraud. Um, and for instance, Texas, who is uh, which is this, one of the states considered to have one of the strictest ID laws in the country, um, you need to have one of their seven very strictly specified ID types in order for it to be approved. And these are not considered, for instance, student IDs or uh, worker uh, working IDs. While on the other hand, like California, New York, they don't have any ID requirements um, when you go to uh, cast your vote at the ballot box. So it really, really differs. Um, and like I just said, um, the main argument is that it's supposed to protect uh, electoral fraud. Um, however, it's very, very disputed if this is actually um, considered a real problem in the US today. Um, President Trump claims that it's a huge problem and that uh, in 2016, um, millions of people uh, voted illegally, uh, but he has not given any evidence or a report or anything that supports this claim and other for instance the Brennan Center uh, for Justice at the NYU Law School they on the other hand um, uh, state that the voter fraud is on a rate between um, hear me out 0.00004 percent massive issue yes massive. exactly <laughs> and 0.0009 percent so um according to them it's quite quite a small percentage um um of the votes <laughs> that are um um considered fraud Um, and uh, this is not only this center uh, of justice that had c concluded with this. Also, uh, Loyal Merriment University states that there's only been, um, and I quote, 45 credible allegations of voter impersonation um, in the U.S., uh, which is quite little considering that this is the specific issue um, the voter uh, ID laws are supposed to um, hinder. 
Um, and then, you, of course, we get to the question of what are the consequences of these very strict laws? Well, first off, um, it ends up being people that are not able to vote uh, because they don't have the valid ID. It can also take um, up to several months to get a hold of this type of ID and also um, even cost money, which might, you know, be a um, hindrance for people. Uh, and they lose their incentive to vote, but also their direct ability to do so. And um, we can, of course, ask the question if the election results would actually be different if um, everyone uh, in all states had the chance to vote on equal terms. So yeah, stay tuned and we'll talk more about voting in the US election in a bit. You used her Daydreams by Easy Life, and we are going to try another technical thing now. Let's start off. Uh, who are you, Christopher Christopher Nolan? Uh, your turn to respond is now. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, did you just um, so just to introduce myself a little bit? Um, I am a I'm an American who was a an exchange student at Uppsala this past spring uh, during the obviously ill-fated spring 2020 semester. Uh, I was in Uppsala for about two months before my exchange got suspended and I needed to return to the US because of coronavirus. Okay, nice. And uh, now I'm you're uh, based in the state that I'm having a very hard time to pronounce, Massachusetts, uh, I think. And uh, what do you have? Have you voted already? How is the situation at the polls? Are many people voting now, or are they waiting until election? So um, it varies a lot moving across the country. Um, the election is already in full swing. It's there are so much early voting going on. And it's such an unprecedented election because of the COVID-19 pandemic. There's more early voting than there ever has been before. And unfortunately, with all of the voter suppression that's also accompanied this completely unprecedented election, uh, there's people outside standing waiting to vote for upwards of 10 hours even. There's been reports of that. And again, that varies a lot going from state to state. Um, for example, where I am in Massachusetts, voting is it's, it's easier to vote here than almost anywhere else in the country um, because there's a lot of polling places. There's very little voting suppression. Um, but if you move into some states, particularly ones with more Republican control, and a lot of these are also very important swing states, uh, there's been active efforts to suppress the vote and keep fewer people voting because the party knows that Trump is not popular and the only way that they can win is if fewer people vote, unfortunately. All right. I think we are we are getting to know the new system. So now I think we can have a little bit more of a conversation as well. Uh, so I wrote down what are the general vibes among the population? Uh, basically, what what is the mood um, among the people of uh, Massachusetts and just America in general? Do you think uh, how are they looking at this election? I think a lot of us are scared. Like we're very scared, myself included. We, we don't know what's going to happen. I was just reading a Brookings Institute uh, report this morning that is predicting that there's a very high chance of violence breaking out in the aftermath of this election. Um, it's, as I said, a completely unprecedented situation because we've never had a president who 
has not committed to uh, a peaceful exchange of power. He, he hasn't committed to accepting the results of the election. So if he loses, there's a very if he loses, there's a very real threat that he might not accept the results of the election and further action would need to be taken to remove him. Uh, that's never happened. He's the 45th president. Every single one before him has left peacefully. Um, it might be interesting to see what happens this year. That might be a broken trend. Yeah, let's hope that's not going to be the case. Um, additionally, um, the main issues of this election, to move it to uh, back to that one, uh, do you think that it is... Um, Do you think the issues are running this election or do you think that this is more a referendum on, on Trump and his uh, his past four years or are we more, is there any, when people vote for Biden or for Trump, do they vote for hope for the future or is it a test of Donald Trump's time as a president? I think there is a lot of issues ingrained in this election and that we're really choosing the future of America and the future of the entire world for that matter with this one, um, more so than many, possibly any other election, definitely in my lifetime. Um, like there are so much on the line here and I really can't overstate that for just one example on climate change, the Paris agreement, what, who we vote for in this presidential election will determine if the U S stays or leaves the Paris agreement. Uh, Biden has pledged to put us back in the Paris Agreement, while Trump, as you probably know, has agreed to pull us out. And the deadline is right after the election and the inauguration. So if we elect Biden, we will be back in the Paris Agreement. And that's just one example where the future of the entire world is really dependent on how the U.S. votes and how the U.S. votes is dependent entirely on a few swing states and that's why they're getting so much media attention right now yeah it always tends to be uh, the same states and the same um the same focuses as well and i truly agree that uh, climate change we should have done something about it like 30 years ago and now it is in extremely important just for a european and not only that but uh, uh, america as an actor in the world uh, as well it all depends on the presidency and It really is important for the majority of states. America is very influential. And uh, we are very happy that we have gotten the system working, but now we're going to have to take a short break and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. You were just listening to Andalusia at Studentradion 98.9. We're Radio UF and today we're talking about the US election. And with us we have Chris um in Massachusetts. Uh, so, um, Chris, before we started um, this radio sh- uh, live um, recording today, uh, you mentioned a bit, you know, that there are many flaws um, in the US system. And uh, so I'm curious to hear, how democratic would you actually say that the US system is as it is today? I think it's definitely not as democratic as it claims to be, for sure. Um, when it comes down to it, uh, the inequality of how much one person's vote is worth from state to state is absolutely wild. Um, like living where I do in Massachusetts, like our votes in this state are essentially useless because Massachusetts is a very consistent blue state. 
Um, no matter what happens, it, it hasn't voted red in, I believe, over 35 years. Um, so we consistently back the Democratic Party, and that means even if I, even though I ha- already have voted and I did vote for Joe Biden in this election, um, there is very little worth in somebody's vote here. Whereas in states that are close enough that they have the potential to go either way, like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, um, those states, an individual vote has more sway because if more people turn out to vote for one side or if one party is able to energize more than the other, that could sway the election. We've seen Florida be a very essential swing state, for example, back in the 2000 election. Um, about 237 votes made the determination in Florida that George W. Bush was president, and that got us the future that we have today. So I think, in short, our system of democracy in the U.S. is not very democratic at all. Um, It may have fit better during a time when the individual states weren't necessarily as strongly part of one union as they are today, because there was a lot of emphasis on individual states having governing rights back in the 18th century. Uh, But at this point, when there is so much linking the states together, it really seems unnatural for somebody in a rural state for their vote to be worth so many times more than somebody in California or Massachusetts. Um, Yes. And um, I at least to me, I'm just thinking, how do you think this affects the voter turnout in not swing states. Um, at least for me, I, w- uh, I would think that um, if you you personally know that your vote is most likely not going to affect the election results at all, and um, you should instead just be focusing on like what people in Florida or Pennsylvania are doing. Um, uh, yeah, what do you have any thoughts on that? How do you think this affects? Um, Americans, especially in non-swing states. Yeah, I think it's it, a lot of people that live in states that are very solidly one way or the other that they don't really feel their vote has a lot of potential to count. Um, probably don't vote, and that's an issue that needs to be addressed. But at the same time, their their vote wouldn't make that much of a difference in the election if the state is so far slanted one way. Um, I know that in two thousand sixteen, there were some states that were assumed to be safely in the bag for Democrats um, that Hillary Clinton and her campaign uh, arguably neglected, like Michigan and Wisconsin, um, those had gone for Democrats for decades, but they were moved enough by Trump that they switched to voting Republican. And it's going to be a question of how they vote. But going back to people that live in states that are not swing states, I think a lot of them really aren't incentivized to vote, especially if their vote would involve waiting in line for hours. Thank you so much. Now we'll um, have some music and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Thank you, Chris. Uh, you just listened to When in Summer I Forget About the Winter by Yeji, and you're listening to Student Radio 98.9 with Radio UF tonight. Um, and we have with us Melker and uh, Chris um, in Massachusetts. So, um, Melker, I'll give the word to you. Yeah, uh, you brought up earlier, of course, that there's a lot of things riding, riding on this election. And I think um, a lot of people realize the gravity of the situation. And that makes us think about what could go on after an election. 
what what are what do you think a post twenty twenty election America will look like? Yeah, I think there's obviously a lot of unpredictability involved, and nobody really knows for sure what's going to occur. Um, as you said, there is a lot of speculation. Um, it, it's sort of become a dark internet meme that there's going to be an American Civil War 2.0. Uh, I would agree that that's probably the most extreme scenario, and I, I don't know if that's entirely realistic, but I do think what is realistic and even likely or probable is there's going to be a lot of unrest after this election, and yeah. I think there is going to be a lot of violence. It's probably going to be deadly, um, and it's it's going to be awful, frankly. like there, There's no other way to say it. There's No matter what happens in this election, there is going to be violence and people are going to die. Um, whether it's Trump refusing to accept the results of the election and energizing his base to go out and violently protest, or if we have another four years of Trump even, and we watch America pull itself from the Paris Accord, uh, climate change continue to worsen, America becoming even more of a polluter than it already is to the world. If America pulls out of the Paris Accord, we're not going to achieve the carbon neutrality goals that we have for the world, and it, it, it's not going to be salvageable. So I think that there is a lot, there's obviously a lot riding on this election, and what happens is really, it, it changes day by day, and it's, yeah, there, there's really nothing else we can do at this point but wait for more results to happen. Yeah, uh, and I mean, even, uh, uh, at least, as you said, uh, as the whole second civil war, although America is very polarized, uh, I still would hope that it hasn't reached the level that a lot of people are ready to die for Trump, to lay down their lives for him, basically. We can hope, uh, at least. But um, yeah, I think there's going to be very, this is a very important election, and that's said for every election. But just for the democratic heart of America as well, Will the new uh, Supreme Court stop counting votes if Pennsylvania isn't turning out the way uh, the Republicans want it? It will be, uh, it is, um, it will be a nail biter, to for lack of better words. Yeah, I, I agree completely, and I think that the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court was just another pillar in making sure that the Republicans have the advantage in this election. Um, they, they're completely desperate. It's, it's very obvious with how desperate they are to repress the vote um, and the fact that we've already seen what happens when a Supreme Court is able to decide a presidential election. It happened in 2000. Uh, 2000 was one of the most extreme presidential elections we've had in the U.S., and I think this one is going to very probably top it in terms of just how wild and unpredictable it is. Uh, 2000 was such an incredibly close election, and it came down to just absolutely hair-splitting thin numbers in yeah, a number of Florida states, like well. Florida, yeah. for example. And because they voted the way they did, or likely there was vote repression in that election too, um, we ended up with George W. Bush, despite the fact that Al Gore won the popular vote. Um, and we're seeing that happen a lot, where the person who wins the popular vote loses the Electoral College, because on a state-by-state -state level, uh, they're not winning, because Democrats are more concentrated in urban areas. And I think that there's going to be a lot of consequences of that. And once again, uh, by next week, we might have a better picture, or we might be even more confused about what's going to happen. 
Yeah, and uh, on that we are running out of time, but we do have time for a last sentence, basically. Uh, we can, of course, hope that there's a very distinctive win for um, Joe Biden on election day so uh, that there isn't going to be this week-long um, recounting uh, project that will, without a doubt, cause some kind of interference. And uh, that's the best I can say right now. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to add before we close off this episode, Chris? I think just kind of there, there's unfortunately not much we can do about this right now. Um, people with positions of a lot of power have control of so much in their hands. And um, it it's really a sad feeling to, to be in America right now and watching this happen. Um, like watching the unrest, you can see neighbors pitted against neighbors. You can see uh, fights breaking out in the streets, even in relatively... Uh, quiet neighborhoods. Um, there's there's people that are not talking with their neighbors anymore because of how polarized everything is. And unfortunately, that's just kind of become the normal now. And uh, we're going to have to see what happens after this election because I don't think, regardless of what happens, America is ever going to be the same after this. Yeah, we can... I think the best thing to do is hope that we will... that this will be... If not a wake-up call, then a re-evaluation that we've been standing on the brink and took a step back. At least that's what I'm going to hope for. And we might see results by next week, this time, if everything is counting as it should. But thank you so much, much, Chris, for joining us. And uh, with me in the studio, uh, we also have our host for the episode. Uh, yes, I um, also think it will be very interesting to see uh, what's going on um, in the US and will be going on for the next couple of weeks. So I guess we will just have to stay updated on that. And thank you so much for listening um, tonight. Yes. Goodbye. Det här var en poddradioversion av ett program från Studentradio 98,9. Alla våra program hittar du på studentradion.com eller i vår mobilapplikation Studentradio 98,9. Att lyssna fritt är stort, att lyssna rätt är större.